Good morning, Crosspoint. Good morning, afternoon, or evening to those that are listening on our podcast. Wherever you are and whenever you are listening to this, we're glad to have you with us. Today, we are one week away from the big day, Christmas. Christ with us. The reason for the season. But today's message is sort of a two-part. I want to begin with a warning. Today's message is called, Christmas is special, but be careful. So I begin with this warning to be careful. Now, that said, I want this to, to come across right. I want you to understand that I am not anti-Christmas. All right, let's just get that straight right from the beginning. I enjoy giving gifts. I enjoy receiving gifts. I enjoy listening to Christmas music this time of the year. Wasn't it great this morning to have the praise band uh, playing some of the Christmas songs and saw a new, a new young person? Was that Ryan Ortega that was up here this morning? I think it's always great when we have new uh, musicians and singers coming to the stage. Uh, I, I enjoy saying Merry Christmas. Aren't you glad that's back in vogue? You know what I mean? We're saying that again. You hear that more and more. I enjoy decorations. So, as long as I don't have to do them. <laughs> if you look up here on the screen, if, if you were to come to our house this morning and walk into our living room, you would see our fireplace. It is decorated. And I have a lovely wife that takes the time and the trouble to do this every year. So you can see, I am not anti-Christmas, am I? As a matter of fact, if you would have been at our house a month ago, there would have been some fall and Thanksgiving things on the mantle. Uh, New Year's, we have things there, 4th of July. She does this kind of stuff seasonally. But that's what our living room looks like if you were to come over this morning. So, I have no bones to pick with the Yuletide season. Are you getting this? All right, because i got some things to say. Now, with that said, the season is not without its problems, and the season is not without its temptations. You know where I'm going, right? We'll get to the good stuff, but we've got to kind of get through the harshness and the, some of the difficulties that come along with the Christmas season. You'll have to agree uh, with, well, say, According to the United States Census Bureau, over the past few years, Americans spent, I don't know how they figure all this out, but something like $30.5 billion, that's with a B, at retail stores during the Christmas season. $39 billion for Christmas gifts over the internet. Can anyone say Cyber Monday? Four million nine hundred or forty four hundred ninety-three million dollars on Christmas trees alone. We've imported five hundred ninety-four million dollars worth of Christmas ornaments just from China alone. Three point four billion in dolls and toys and games. Twenty pieces of mail have been passed out to home. Since just since Thanksgiving, all in an attempt to get you to overspend and buy things that are beyond your reach or beyond your budget. Don't let that happen. 
Don't allow nostalgia mixed with guilt to prompt you to overspend. Don't allow the advertisers to pressure you to use your credit card because you know that sale in December is going to be the bill in January. I'm not against the basic idea of Christmas, but my plea is for common sense and balance. So, we need to be alert to four dangers. Four dangers. Number one, you'll see up here, a doctrinal danger. A doctrinal danger. Isn't that a beautiful Christmas scene? A doctrinal danger. Substituting the temporal for the eternal. And we can do that. We can be tempted to do that. But Paul will urge us in Romans 12 verse 2, don't let that happen. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this, what's the next word? World. Whenever you read the word world, think temporal. It is temporary. And whenever you read the word transform, think eternal. See, you've been transformed from the kingdom of darkness, the moment you were saved, into the kingdom of what? Light. We've been given a brand new spirit, a brand new mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think eternal. Colossians 3 puts it like this. Keep seeking the things above. Now, where are the things above? Are they temporal or are they eternal? They're eternal. The things above are eternal. That's where Christ is. Set your mind on the things above where Christ is. Not the things of the earth. There's the temporal again. So remember what we're celebrating. It's not the arrival of Santa. It's the arrival of the Savior. Are you getting this? Santa. That's earthly, worldly, temporary, if you will. Savior. That's heavenly. That's above. That's eternal. And so it's sort of like God presenting us the gift of His Son. We do a lot of gift giving at this time of year. Well, the greatest gift of all was already given to us over 2,000 years ago. How many of you, let me see the hands of those that remember what they received for Christmas last year. Yeah, a couple. Yeah. Now, how many remember, you know why you don't, most of you don't remember what you received last year? It's temporal. Earthly. How many remember the day you were saved? Well, look at all those hands go up. Why? Eternal. It's not temporal. I remember the day that I was saved. Born again. I remember the words that I spoke. I remember the questions that were asked me. I remember the challenge given to me by my preacher, Brother Walling. It's just like it was yesterday. You know what? The Apostle Paul will often go back to his baptism when he tries to encourage people to stay faithful and keep their eyes focused on the eternal? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, God forbid! Don't, it's all we who've been buried with Christ were baptized into His kingdom. We were buried with Him. We were raised to walk in newness of life. He reminds them of their baptism to encourage them to keep walking and keep thinking that transform mind on the eternal, not the temporal. There's a second danger. Uh, it's, uh, it's sort of a personal danger. It's impressing 
people rather than imparting to people the good news message. Impressing, but not imparting. We represent the king. You are God's chosen ambassadors on this earth. What is an ambassador? One who represents the king. And what are we supposed to do for the king? Well, share Christ. We should be about our father's business. How often? Well, Paul will tell Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.2, you're supposed to do it all the time. The way he puts it is in season, out of season. What's that mean, Bruce? That, that means when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. When you feel like doing it and when you don't feel like doing it. All the time, we are to be sharing the good news message. But you know, at this season of the year, people are more wide open to it than any other time of the year, they say. Why? The, the whole world's thinking about this Christmas thing. And a lot of people don't get it. You saw the video earlier, the neighbor with a big Santa over there, and then the star. Wasn't that a good little video to kind of... And your neighbors, did you notice he grabs the baby, takes it home? He now gets it. You know how pe many people would grab the baby if you would quit trying to impress them with the gifts, the amount of the gift that you buy, and start imparting what you already possess? Salvation. Who have you talked to about Jesus this season? You say, oh, Bruce, I don't know what to say. Yes, you do. You just tell your story. You say, you know what? I'm a believer. I've crossed over. I've accepted Christ. I know my story better than anyone. This was my life before Jesus. This is how I got to know Jesus and accepted him. And here's my life after Jesus. If you know your story, you can tell your story. Start with your story. Are you getting this? You don't need some, oh, I've got to wait for, go to some class and learn all the books of the Bible. No, just tell your story. And if you do it at this time of year, maybe next Sunday morning, when we get up and tear the story, you've invited 5 or 10 or 15 people in this place will be packed, and they can hear the story. And then their story can become the reality that God wants. The union of His children having a relationship and a friendship once again. So, number three. We move on to an economic danger. We've got a doctrinal danger, we've got a personal danger, and we've got an economic danger. And we've touched on this. It's the idea of spending more than you have. Before every purchase you make between now and next week, ask yourself, is this within my budget? You know, gifts you make are often more appreciated and less expensive than the ones you buy. Jane and I were watching a, one of these Alaskan programs, the frontier people that live out there. Well, this big family lives up in Alaska. And every Christmas, they, they don't go buy stuff. They make stuff according to the needs of their relatives. Now, i got to admit, they're really quite handy, and they know how to put together just the perfect gift. And everyone, But you just see how much fun they have making these gifts and presenting these gifts. You say, well, I'm not real handy that way. I, I get that. I'm not either. And so maybe what you might want to do 
is get creative this year with your family and saying, rather than buy for everybody, why don't we just do a little gift exchange? Or our, our family for a number of years has been playing this wonderful game. You just buy uh, a generic gift that will go either way, boy, girl, and then kind of an elephant-type gift, and you put all the gifts in the middle, and you know that game where you, you, you pick it, you touch it, it's yours, and, and then we do that little swap at the end sometimes when you spin the wheel. And you set a budget, and you save a lot of stress having to buy for everyone. Did I get the right thing? Did I spend enough? Did I keep the budget down. And it's a lot of fun. Be creative. There's a psychological danger. Getting built up for the let down. And one of the most effective maneuvers that the world system is to try to create a false sense of excitement. And we all love the Christmas high. I mean, I love this time of year. I started the message off that way. You get that. But the afterglow can be dangerous. It can be depressing. And so guard yourself. Guard your mind. Guard your emotions. If you don't get what you want this Christmas, remember, if you're a believer, you've already got the greatest gift of all. And if this is the last Christmas we're ever going to experience together here on earth, Man, we're in. All the better, right? You say, you know, this would be a very good year for that to happen because we are so far in debt, it'd be a good time for Jesus to come back. (laughs) All right? Now, I don't know if he is or he isn't, but you don't need to go any further into debt is the warning, all right? And you don't need to get, you know, all built up. What you need to do is focus on the person of Jesus. The Hebrew writer would put it this way in Hebrews 12, verse 3. Consider him. Now, with that said, there's something special about this season. There's something special about Christmas, too. Wouldn't you agree with me? This, this time of year is just fun. Uh, it's been so neat saying Merry Christmas. A lot more people are saying that this year. I like it. There's the relevance of Christmas and the reason for Christmas and the result of Christmas, but I want to start with the relevance. God came to earth. I love that newscast that my father called everyone into the living room to watch on our little square black and white television. Look, look, everyone come in. I didn't understand the relevance, the significance of the first man on the moon. Man walked on the moon. But you know what's a bigger thing than that? God walked on the earth. God left heaven and came and walked among us right here. On the earth, Colossians 1.15 puts it like this, Jesus Christ is the exact likeness, the exact image. Not sort of like God, but exactly God. He existed before God made anything at all, and in fact, Christ himself is the creator. He made everything. Philippians 2.7 He became like men, was born as a human being. Here's the point. Jesus' life didn't start in the manger. Now that's where the Christmas story kind of begins when he arrived. But he pre-existed. He, he goes back to eternity. No beginning, no end. He was among the Godhead. When God said, let us Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image. He was there, as a matter of fact. When God said, let there be light, 
And there was light. In the evening and the morning was the first day when God divided the waters from above from the waters below. Sun, moon, and stars. Vegetation. Animals and man, his greatest creation. This verse says that Jesus was the creating force of the Godhead that made all that happen. You mean that little baby did all that? Yeah. 1 John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the word for word in the Greek is logos. It means thought. See, before you create something, you've got to think it up, right? Jesus thought it up, and then He created it. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became, you finish it, flesh and dwelt among us. Who do we know of the Godhead that became flesh? The Creator Jesus, who existed before He existed in a manger. Wasn't it neat to see the character, the neighbor character, when the lights went on? And He'll grow up to become Santa, right? No. He's going to grow up to become the Savior. And the lights go on. You know, it's so neat to see the lights go on for people when you're sharing the good news and to bring them along. Who are you bringing tonight to the musical? You know, I'm going I'm to share a few minutes after the, the meeting here tonight. We're going to have this musical in here, a wonderful good time, and then a great turkey and ham dinner with all the fixings going to be over there and about 6 o'clock. But we're going to sing a few Christmas carols first, and if you'll just give me a few minutes and you bring someone tonight, maybe the lights will go on for them tonight. I don't want to miss the opportunity to share the gospel message with your friends, family, and loved ones that may not know. They're still in the Santa thing and don't understand the Savior thing. Let's help grow them this year. He came into the world to save everyone, but He came as a baby. Why didn't He come down in His fullness and in His glory? And we go, oh, man, that's really God. Okay, I get it. No, we, he would have scared us. He didn't come to scare us. He came to save us. And nobody's afraid of a baby. We can relate to a baby. He's got to become like one of us and live a sinless life and have untainted blood to be a sacrifice for us, right? And so that's why he came as a baby. We can relate. The reason for Christmas is he came for our benefit. The relevance is he came to earth, but the reason is he came for our benefit. Three benefits to show us what God is like. There are a lot of crazy ideas about what God is like. Um, When you're a preacher, it's interesting. If people don't know what you do, and for whatever reason it comes out and they find out, you say, well, you know, I'm a preacher. It can go either way, I'm just telling you. Sometimes people are very excited about that. And, oh, where do you preach? And, oh, I'm a Christian. Blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, I've always wanted to ask a preacher a question. Can you? And then, you know, you don't do that thing. But every now and again, you'll get someone that will say, ah, I just don't believe in God. Why not? Well, I just don't believe in a God that would send people to hell. And I go, oh, you know, tell me about this God you don't believe in. Maybe I don't believe in him either. And they'll say, yeah, this hell thing. I don't believe God. I don't believe God will send anybody to hell. And I go, you know, I don't either. I don't believe in a God like that. Do you believe in a God like that? 
No. See, God doesn't send people to hell. He doesn't choose who gets to go to hell who doesn't get to go to hell. Satan doesn't even have that power. You know the only one with that power is? You. You choose. God called it free will. You get to decide where you spend eternity, with Him or without Him. And now we can engage. Now we can talk. Now we, really? How's that fall back on me? Then you can kind of get into the gospel message. See, people have crazy ideas about God. We need to have answers to help them get over their crazy ideas about God. So listen first and then help them to grow. What was God, what is God like? I say God is exactly like Jesus. Well, what was Jesus like? Well, we read about him in the book. Did Jesus ever help poor people? Yeah. Did he ever help sick people? The lame could walk, the blind could see, the deaf could hear. Did Jesus ever raise people from the dead? Well, I read in my Bible several people. I read in my Bible who is more down and out and helpless than a widow. Her husband's dead, her only son dies. Jesus shows up at just the right time. You think that was an accident? Jesus comes into town. A funeral's taking place. There's a widow. Everyone's mourning, crying, weeping. And Jesus says, stop, stop the funeral. Goes over to the casket. Picks up the little boy. Takes him back to his mother. But now a living, breathing, walking, talking, running little boy happy again. Don't you think he made that widow's day? That's what God's like. He wants to make your day. He doesn't want to bum you out. What is God like? Look at Jesus. He gives grace to the humble. How many people in the Bible who were sinners came to Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I read about this tax collector guy by the name of Matthew. Outcast. Nobody wanted him. Zacchaeus. Another guy like that. Climbed a tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. And Jesus looks up. Zacchaeus. Yeah, yeah, I know your name. We're going to go have lunch. Going to your house today. And by the time he got to his house, he had packed it full of sinners. Isn't that great? When he climbed down from that tree, I think Zacchaeus was already saved before his feet hit the ground. Man, he was so excited. Back in fellowship, a relationship with God once again. Because when you were a tax collector, you were kicked out of the fellowship. You could not go to synagogue. You could not go to the temple. You could not pass go or collect $200. You were out. Jesus came to say, you're in. I want you. Anybody feeling out of the loop this morning? Want to know what God's like? He's like Jesus. God wants you. God wants a relationship with you. He wants to get to know you. He, he, he came because He loves you. He just wants you to love Him back. That's really the, the gospel message. He gives grace to the humble, but now watch this. Those of you that think you don't need God, I don't need that crutch, I don't need that Christianity stuff, that's not for me. I can do it on my own. He gives the law to the proud. 
And what's the law say? You stumble at one point, you're guilty of the whole thing. And I'll just let you choose. If you don't want to choose to spend eternity with me, I'll let you choose to spend eternity with the devil. It's up to you. It's your choice. He gives law to the proud, grace to the humble. I'm going to be humble and say, I need grace, God. How about you? I'm not too proud to say that I need God in my life. And he also came to show us what life should really be like. The truth of the matter, most people in the world are just existing. They're not really living. Uh, This past upward season, we did a little devotional, a game of some kind, and I, and I, I use John 10, verse 10 as the, the Scripture. I guess we're assigned to Scripture every week to fit this need. And I got up and I, I, you know, I got the attention of everybody in the audience, all the moms, dads, I don't know if they're believers, unbelievers, probably some are, some aren't. But I said, most of you are not really living, you are simply existing, you are getting up in the morning, you're going to work, you're coming home, you're eating dinner, you're watching TV, you're going to bed, uh, going to bed, and then you're getting up tomorrow morning just to do the same old thing over and over and over again. You don't know where you came from, you don't know what you're doing here, and you don't know where you're going when this life is over. You are living just long enough to get the house paid off and retire, and that is your goal. But I said, no, heaven is the goal. Jesus said, put it this way, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. It's the abundant life. Now, how do I start enjoying the abundant life right now? See, you're not really ready to live until you're ready to die. And once you're ready to die, you're ready to live. The abundant life is not something you get in heaven. It starts here on earth by understanding where you came from, what you're doing here, and where you're going. And that all begins with a relationship with Jesus. And then number three, he came to forgive our sins. See, our biggest problem in life is not our biggest problem right now. And we get your prayer cards, and I don't mean to make light of this. We are praying for you every week. But if you're not a Christian, your biggest problem this morning is your sin problem. And until that's dealt with, everything else is small potatoes everything. Because let's say we've solved all your physical problems, relational problems, emotional problems, financial problems. As a matter of fact, let's say that you gained the whole world and lost your ever-breathing, never-dying soul. Would you have gain or loss? Loss. See why I say your biggest problem is your sin problem if you don't know Jesus? Now, I'm preaching to the choir this morning. I see most of you every week. I would say This audience is probably mostly saved. I don't know. I may have a guest or two that is saying, hey, keep preaching. I'm kind of listening. But who do you know that for sure is lost and you haven't shared this good news message with? Bring them tonight. We'll touch on it. Bring them next Sunday morning. We'll touch on it. I know a lot of you are going to be out of town with family and, uh, you know, church on Christmas Day. Really? I'm in my pajamas. Well, come in your pajamas. That's okay. As a matter of fact, I understand that we're going to have some coffee and cocoa and donuts and some sweet breads and some orange juice. Just come, you know, we're going to start that around 9, 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock. But, you know, we're going to let you sleep in an extra 15 minutes. We're not having Bible class that day. We're going to start at 1030. But if you want to come a little early in your jam jams and have some cocoa, and that's good too. But bring somebody else that doesn't know what you know. See, those are the exact words that Brother Walling gave to me 
the day I became a believer. I said, why didn't God just take me right now? He said, Bruce, there's other Bruce's out there that don't know what you know. And God is going to use you to tell them, well, guess what? What's true of me is true of you. Because part of your job is to be the light of the world. You are the light of the world. We're going to talk about that tonight after we sing some Christmas carols. We need to keep moving. You're going to be judged by the Ten Commandments. See, our biggest problem is our sin problem. Most people think that there's only one way to get to heaven. That is not true. There are two ways to get to heaven. The Bible says we'll be judged by the Ten Commandments. This book. So, here's how you get plan A. From the day you're born to the day you die, never ever commit one single sin. Anybody qualify? See, you'd be perfect. God would owe you heaven. Oh, so that's not going to work. What's plan B? Let, let Jesus save you and get in on his ticket. Let Jesus cleanse you of all your sins. Wash them away. Humble yourself enough to say, I can't do this thing on my own. I try to be good, but I can't be good. want to be good. If I could push the button and always be good, I'd push the button. But Lord, thank you that you're my emergency button and you died for me. Accept. Receive the gift. That's the whole idea. He died for our sins. 1 John 3, 5 puts it like this. He became a man, that is one of us, so that he could take away our sins. 1 John 4, verse 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life. Again, through him, not us. This is real love. That God sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Why did he come? Why did he die? Why would God do that? Love, for God so loved the world that he gave. You know, it's a truism. We like to say this at this time of year. That Jesus is the reason for the season. And I like that. It's a little cliche, but it's true. But if you stop and think about it, that statement comes from earthly eyes looking up but let's reverse it you're now in heaven and the father son and holy spirit look down on earth and say you are the reason for the season you had a need to get your sins taken away if you didn't have the need if you weren't here and you weren't sinners he wouldn't have come so in a very real sense from heaven's perspective, you are the reason for this season. I am the reason for this season. We needed a Savior. And so God sent His very best. And now the result of Christmas. You can know God personally. You can restore this friendship. See, the moment you sinned, you were separated from God. And that separation meant that God now found you to be His enemy you were an enemy of god god's wrath was now against you in order to get that wrath taken away you needed this relationship restored but you couldn't do it on your own you needed this friendship to come together you can have a friendship with the creator of the universe the bible says in romans 5 10 we were restored to what friendship with who the God of the universe. By what? The death of His Son. 
His death brought restoration. See, while we were still His enemies, and He died for us, and He will be delivered from eternal punishment by His life. That's you, that's me. We are the ones that are going to be delivered by His death. So now we can rejoice in a wonderful new, what's the next word? Relationship with who? God. All because of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. This relationship can be restored. It's a wonderful gift. It's the most wonderful gift you'll ever receive. See, this Christmas season, you're going to open a lot of gifts. And if I give you a Christmas gift and you didn't open it, it'd be a waste, right? That gift would be worthless to you, a gift left wrapped up. On Christmas, you're going to receive some gifts that are going to be very impersonal, some impractical, some cheap, and some, well, I'll just say all. All those gifts that you're going to receive this year, here's what I know about every single one of them. They're all temporal. They're all temporal. None of those adjectives will apply to what God's gift to you is. God's gift is personal. It is custom made just for you. Unto you a Savior is born. Unto you a Savior is given. It is practical. You can't get to heaven without this gift. It is priceless. It costs Jesus his life. And it is permanent. It lasts forever. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. How long? Forever and ever and ever, amen. Who wouldn't want a gift like that? It's free, but it's automatic. And here's, here's where it all comes to a head. Listen carefully. John chapter 1 and verse 2. To all who receive Him and believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. You believe, you receive. And that's what God's calling you to do this morning. Very, very simple. Bow your head this morning and ask God to forgive you. You can put him on in baptism. And you can say, devil, you don't have me anymore. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to fall short. But my biggest problem is taken care of. See, the blood on the cross not only takes care of my past sins, it not only takes care of my present sins, but it takes care of all my future sins. All of them were on the cross. What a gift is that, huh? Sins I haven't even committed yet were paid for in advance on my behalf by the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Let's thank Him for it. Would you bow with me, please? Every once in a while, you'll hear people say, what is this world coming to? I'll tell you what it's coming to. It's coming to an end one day. And the question this morning is, are you ready? And maybe you are, but are your friends, family, and loved ones ready? Have you told them about this good news that we preached on this morning? The Bible says one day, everyone who's ever lived is going to stand before God and give an account. There is going to be a real judgment day where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone, that means you, that means me. Your neighbors, your friends, your husband, your wife, your children, everyone who's at that age of accountability. And the issue is not whether you're going to admit that Jesus is Lord. The issue is when. Are you going to either do it now in love and acceptance 
of this wonderful gift or later in regret going, why didn't I accept the gift? Why would you wait? This is your moment to accept God's Christmas gift to you. Today is the day of salvation. Start by saying, dear God, I don't want to let another Christmas pass without accepting your gift for me. I want to get to know you and trust you. I know I've done a lot of things that are wrong, but I'm sorry for my sins, and I'm ready to repent and accept your gift of eternal life. And from this day forward, I want to be under new management. I want you to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.